Hey, what's good? That's how we do on Feel Good Fridays. You feel me? What's good? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. I've got a very special episode for you today. A really great interview that I do with my boy, Sean Bowdy. He's a reporter at Wave 3 News. He is a former classmate of mine. Had a bunch of classes just when we were young grinders. Young grinders back in the day, man. And he's doing it. He's doing the damn thing. So he is local. Started off local. But thanks to all our haters, he got G5 pilots on a first name basis, right? That's what he's working towards. So uh, it was really great to chop it up with him. And we go really deep right here. We talk about what it's like taking your first job out of college as a reporter. And what do your weeks look like as a reporter right now? What's it like working from home when you're a reporter? And how do you balance trying to cover stories but trying to do it safely and social distance? And we're in the middle of this global pandemic. So what's that been like trying to balance all that stuff? Uh, What does it feel like flipping your very first package? You know, it's funny. The journalism classes that we took, we would have four major, major assignments throughout the semester, which were packages, a story idea that we would work with, and we would spend weeks going from writing this thing out to doing the interviews to editing and then finally turning it in, and they were like major parts of our grade. Now, Sean flips like one of those a day, you know what I mean? So it's like once you get done with school and then you're in the big boy job or the big girl job, it's like, hey, what's that first package feel like when they tell you to flip it in a day that's got to be a little bit intimidating right a little bit scary but uh no my man's knocking it out of the park so um hey man what's it been like covering the brianna taylor protests we're in louisville that's gonna be the biggest story all summer long besides covid right like what was that like and what was it like being down there did you feel safe did you feel safe not just from covid but just like physically safe uh he was telling me he tells me in this interview that he's got a co-worker that was like getting hit with shit like uh police shot her with the rubber bullets and stuff so um that that also happened you know like that that would be a tough day on the job i think uh we spend a lot of time talking about whataboutism and it's a, a phrase that he uses and drops in there he's a pro man my man's a fucking pro but uh whataboutism it's like when uh, somebody doesn't like what's being said, and then they'll say, well, what about this, and what about that? And it's kind of like, hey, look over here, right? Let's not pay attention to the facts. And we spend some time talking about the omissions that we make as people, which are uh, a lot. We do it a lot. We do it a lot as people. But, you know, everybody does it. Um, but we talk about that in the context of covering stories and What's it like being, you know, covering a story and you know that you're going to probably piss somebody off, right? By the way you cover it or something that you don't mention. And it's just, it can go down this big rabbit hole. But um, no, we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. We talk about what do your mentions look like as a local reporter? What is it like on social media, not only on your Twitter, but like, do you look at the Facebook comments and how do you balance just trying to, it's almost like when you're in the media, social media is a necessary evil, but then you also, it, it can be toxic. Like it can be really fucking toxic. So you're like, I can't even look at this stuff anymore. I just need to put my phone down. I wish I didn't have to be here, but here we are. And it's just one of those things. Sean also got married during the pandemic, had planned a wedding, got engaged. He said, October of 2019, planned their wedding it was supposed to be this beautiful day you wait all your life for this thing to happen and then COVID happens and so uh you know it it just it seemed like something to ask when we're talking about it and it's like well hey you're somebody that had to do this I'm sure that was like a local news story that was covered extensively this summer and this year was hey let's talk to some people that were supposed to get married this year and what did they do Indiana was having a bunch of people move their weddings over there because they were a little bit less uh, (laughs) uh, lax, we shall say, with the uh, mask policies and stuff over the summer. But 
Yeah, man. And my man's doing well. And my man's doing well. So despite 2020 kind of bringing some negative things, uh, 2020 was a great year for him. So hear him talk a little bit about that. And then I always like to end these interviews with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given and a piece of advice that you would give if somebody said, hey, give me some advice. What are you going to tell them? So we spend about an hour covering all this stuff. It's a really fun interview, and I like Fridays because I can do these interviews, and it's kind of a little bit more laid back, you know? The vibe that we set with this episode, a little bit more laid back than the previous weeks that we've had where it's kind of been a trench warfare mentality. So uh, if you like the music that we use on the show, I make a playlist. It's on Apple Music and it's on Spotify, so wherever you listen to music, it's there. It has all of the songs that I use for the Uber Stories episodes on Wednesdays, and then also uh, any kind of a special or any kind of an interview, it's all there. Just search Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. No H in my name. Don't put an H in my name. It's Ben Tompkins, T.O. Like my man T.O., right? All right, so that is up on Apple Music and Spotify, and it has all the music. It is. It continues to grow week by week into the most banging fucking playlist of all time. I'm telling you what, man. So just go there, trust your boy, and know that it's going to continue to be added to so this song kings of summer aok and quinn 92 i just man you know i'm listening to these songs sometimes on shuffle and then i'll hear one and i'm just like this is it this is it like this is it i will purposely be in the gym listening to my music on shuffle and uh i'll just wait for a song lyric or a vibe to come and i'll be like this is what we're leading with today this is what we're going with man i heard this song come on this week and i was like this is it this is it this is it because this is a really fun kind of a laid-back interview yeah we talk about some really serious stuff but it's uh it's it's really a good one so uh go and follow along the show music uh follow along i just made a tiktok account all right and i'm going to be incorporating this if you're a brand new listener then you probably have never heard the show before it's a really simple concept i I used to be a sports guy, and then COVID happened, sports got canceled, I made it through the quarantine, and now I make a podcast all about driving for Uber full-time, and the people that I meet, and the stories that we share, the conversations that we have, the life lessons, it's wide-ranging. We cover so many different topics, and it's all real. It's all real. Real talk, real stories, real people, not real names. Real names kill things. That's that shit I won't write, all right? So it's all anonymous. I'm not here to out anybody, but I drive around all over the city, literally all over the city, and I talk to people every day and get their perspective on things, and it's it's real talk, man. That's what I do. So Uber stories, those come out on Wednesdays. Next Wednesday will be Uber Stories Part 22. This past Wednesday was Uber Stories Part 21. Had a handful of good ones on there. And I will continue to update as we go along. And uh, also with the interviews that I do, those drop on Fridays. Sometimes uh, I'm not going to have one every single week. But when I do, they'll be out on Fridays. And that's like a bonus episode. It comes out. It's a little something extra from your boy. All right? Um... I also want to mention this before we jump into this as well. If you are looking for a new place to get your hair cut and you need somebody that's going to take care of you, go down and see my man Tyler Pope. He owns a business down on UofL's campus. It's called Fades on 4th. And my man is trying to grow something. I'm trying to help him out. He's not even paying me to say any of this stuff. I just do it because I love the guy and I want to help him out. And he opened up a business amidst... COVID-19 and he's doing it. So if you want to go down there, drop my name, say Benny T sent me. He's got the Supreme Service Package. It's valued at 60 bucks. He's going to give it to you for 35 if you say, hey, Benny T sent me. He told me to tell you what's good. And go say that and he'll be like, what's good? What's good? Uh, You can book with him using an app called Booksy. That's where you can view his appointments and make sure that you lock down a time that works for the both of you. So fades on forth and... uh, Tell them Benny T sent you. All right, guys. I hope everybody's had a good week. Uber Stories Part 22 will be back next Wednesday. Follow along at BennyTomp18 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok now. And the Facebook page is at RealTalkWBennyT. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Sean Bowdy. We now welcome Sean Bowdy to the show. Sean, what's good, man? Uh, what's good, buddy? Haven't seen you in a while. I'm glad to be here. I know. It's been... Years, years, yeah. But I'm happy. I'm glad to be here, man. It's been it's been a long journey. It started with you, kind of, you know, back in back in the days at, at UK. 
I still have that picture of us sitting there at the desk looking fly as fuck. You oh, know? dude, this is how it works. This is how we do. That's <laughs> how we always did. So, you are a reporter here in Louisville. Correct. Wave 3 News. And is that where you... Let, let's... Okay, so we're going to like start kind of like and, and just kind of bounce around. But basically, um, you know, share... You know, is this your first... Pos- obviously not your first position right. out of college, right? So kind of like... You know, what you went to school for, and then getting out of school, and then what you're doing now. Now, I started out rocking Kentucky Blue on them hoes. Hey. Yeah, uh, you know. But once I graduated from there, you know, I went to Bowling Green, got a job with the ABC Fox affiliate down there. Was there for close to three years, um, which is nice, because I'm very lucky, because being from Kentucky, uh, northern Kentucky, it's very rare to kind of start out in a position in, you know, close to an area where you're from. So, I was very lucky, you know, three hours from home stuff like that um but after a few years there um i was kind of looking where you know where can i go next where can i go next i wanted to stay in kentucky obviously being so lucky to be there in the first place mm-hmm. and it's this job just i didn't even find the job the job found me it was it was perfect so here i am been here close to two years now and it's been fun it's been a weird last year though like like eight or nine months or whatever but we're kicking, man. We're kicking. Good. <laughs> so you're mostly in the field doing general assignments, reporting. Man, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. Uh, Monday through Friday, that's kind of where I work. But I start, my, my shift starts at 4 a.m. So the first thing we do for me, I start with live hits. You know, you know the, that's what we call them. Mm-hmm. Live hits at... Um, 5 a.m., 5.30, 6, 6.30 a.m., kind of for that whole morning show. So when I come in at 5 o'clock, we'll get that ready, figure out what we're talking about and how to get it out there and and kind of make that into the story for the day. So once the morning show's over, we'll kind of wrap that up and figure out what to do for the rest of the day because I kind of have a shorter window for when I can work since the first half of my day is spent live. You know, I... So that's been frustrating a little bit when trying to work on some stories. Like today, you know, I was a few minutes late to get here today just because the story I was working on uh, really needed to be longer than what I could give it in a normal time. So I ended up working on it a little bit longer than than I really usually do. And what was that story again? You were telling me right when we sat down, but for the people listening. What- yeah, of course. Uh, you know, JCPS, the, one of the largest school districts in the country, really. Uh, finally getting to vaccinate some of their teachers starting today. And the sooner that vaccination happens, the sooner the students can come back in the classroom, the sooner people stop complaining. Uh, that's <laughs> See, I'm trying to use words that, that we can say. Anything goes on here. Anything goes here. But yeah. see, I'm in that mindset without I'm like live on TV right now, and I can't say <laughs> that people are bitching about people not being in school or people are bitching about them being in school. Uh, but... Either way, the closer or the sooner we can get all these teachers vaccinated, the sooner uh, we'll have those students back in the classroom. So that's why it was a big story. And I was like, I'm not just going to, you know, throw this one away. It's a big story. Right. So that's why I'm late here today. That's what I'm going to tell you at least. <laughs> well, you don't owe anybody any explanations <laughs> for that, all right? But uh, so then you you do all the work for that story, everything that goes into that package, and then how quickly do you flip packages where if you're working on something, then people could turn on the news and see that in the morning or if it replays during, you know, and it, it depends on when they want it really. Like ultimately it's up to the producers back at the station. And I've been working from home for the past as much as I can, at least I haven't been in the station except for a few times here and there uh, to do like live stuff in studio when we can't go live out in the field somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I turn a package, let's say, and I get all my stuff and I have it by noon, you know, I got to be done by one. I'm supposed to be at least. So I, you know, I'll take all that video. I'll pull all the sound bites that I want to use, write something to the sound bites. And I could, you know, usually an hour is kind of the sweet spot for getting all that done. And maybe another 20 to 30 minutes to edit it all together. So, you know, like hour, hour and a half after you're kind of done gathering all the stuff you need. Do you feel like you've got it down pretty pretty quickly now? If I could do it with my eyes closed, 
and actually know what the video was looking like, I could. I feel like I could do it with my eyes closed. Do you feel like the classes that we took at UK? Because like people don't even realize that UK has its own studio. I mean, we you know we're we're talking about us looking fly as fuck in that room. <laughs> it's like, dude, those are cameras. That's a desk. Like we had all the kind of stuff. So I feel like um, when when I see other journalists and stuff like that, I feel privilege in the fact that we had a really nice studio mm-hmm. and we had professors that really and you know they moved to an even nicer that. one as soon as we left oh fucking course yeah. <laughs> i mean i don't even i go on campus i don't even recognize stuff anymore it's it's totally somebody else's they have university. a target on campus now wow it's unbelievable i know we're getting off topic here but now that those classes it's one thing to be in the classroom and you know our guy mel our professor og yeah, you know, he was amazing, and he could only do so much in the classroom, though. So right. I think the most important thing is just getting out there. I'm sure it's the same for just about any job. You, know, you can only learn so much in the classroom, but until you are in that environment and understand how fast-paced this is, there's really nothing that prepares you for it, like actually being in that position. So, you know, when we were in Lexington, I worked for WLAX, the NBC affiliate there, for two years part-time junior senior year college and being in the newsroom that that's the only thing that'll prepare you completely for this job it's crazy to think our big semester things were like turn four packages in a semester (laughs) and now you probably do that in like by wednesday you know yeah i'll I'll, you know if i work five days i'm turning five packages (laughs) and reporting you know live for two shows in the morning and it's funny you know you get that first job and you're like all right i can do this i can do this man that first day you have to turn a package it is nerve-wracking man it's you you get it and you're like you know i've never had to do this in a day before (laughs) but you know something just clicks man you just you get in there you get comfortable and you just you just do it you just do it man that's cool that's awesome i i really have a lot of respect for you going because a lot of people they a lot of people that we went to school with would be in the journalism program and that was really cool to act like you were anchorman Mm -hmm. with all your friends but then only i don't even know what would be a fair percentage maybe 10 percent, 15 percent of people that we actually had classes with have now like i see you i see haley i see riley miller Mm -hmm. down there and and it's like i'm i'm forgetting and omitting so many other people and i don't mean to do that you know what i mean but like it's really cool to see that you guys Lindsay goff's a sports director down in savannah that's awesome yeah, so it's like you guys are doing it, you know, and I have a, I really have a lot of respect for the fact that you not only were about that life in school, but then have parlayed that into your career, and now, you know, you're fucking doing it, man. I feel you. Thanks, bro. So what has it been like covering everything in the last year between Breonna Taylor, between coronavirus and the schools? I mean, you probably... <laughs> what do you have to do in terms of the social media? Do you just not look at Twitter on your on your off time? I, like- I don't even know where to start with this question. <laughs> you first of all, you asked like four questions there. I know, I know, I'm terrible. Se- secondly, everything just kind of fell in place at once. So you look back to when this whole pandemic started, uh, mid March. I think the last day that students were in school, at least in Jefferson County, was March 13th, mm-hmm. March 14th, something like that. Well, Bronick Taylor was killed March 13th. Everything started happening at the same time. But, no, of course, that didn't really pick up for a few months. But um, I think it shows just how everything in 2020 just hit at once. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here we are a few months in to quarantine, and more information kind of comes to light about this Brianna Taylor case. And, obviously, people were very upset. So, we are in quarantine, essentially, you know, you call it quarantine what you want. I've seen people say they're in quarantine that are really just, you know, running around town, <laughs> but, um, so you figure, you've been in that for a couple months, and then these protests are happening. How do you balance quarantine, being safe, social distancing, with covering this racial reckoning that's really happening across the entire country and louisville here is you know one of the epicenters of it yeah so how do you balance covering that being fair and also staying safe and i think one of the things that we notice across the entire country when it comes to i hate this term the media 
people were kind of prioritizing this uh, racial injustice over, you know, COVID-19 protocols and, and stuff like that. And, you know, and you could argue one way or the other. I understand uh, what you should prioritize in that case. You know, people would get on social media. You mentioned looking at social media. Sometimes, man, I don't know why I even have social media. <laughs> You've got people on there just complaining about why are people in the streets? They should be, you know, doing this or that. Or, and then you have other people being like, if you're not in the streets, you're part of the problem. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And just, it felt like it went on forever. And just being downtown at the square, it was so surreal just seeing how many people uh, are there and kind of just what it stands for. And that mural at Jefferson Square Park, and you walk past that and you just see the significance worldwide of what that mural means and being in Louisville, it was weird, man. It was weird. But just kind of fighting through it together as a city, it's the only thing, that's the only way you're going to do it. Right. You got to, you know, do this together. One of the things I always do to kind of measure the importance of something, especially like in local media, and as soon as those networks show up, you know shit's popping off. <laughs> So, like, we, you know, in that first help nights or whatever, you've got an, uh, two officers got shot during this time. Another person, um, you've got um, Tyler Girth, the mm-hmm. photographer that was shot and killed. And it seemed like there was never going to be anything good come out of this. And I think that's still yet to be determined. I think the amount of awareness that was brought because of the amount of people, I think it changed a lot of people's minds. I think a lot of people learned a lot about people that they've never associated with before. Mm -hmm. And I think it did accomplish a lot, but there's still a lot of people who are very upset and it's understandable. And there are a lot of people who are upset at the people who are upset and it gets right back where we were before, which is you can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. And that's kind of where I find myself as like every story I would write during that time, you can't please everyone. So just do your best to get out there and just show what's happening. Tell people what's happening. Give them a voice. Give them a platform. Listen to these people that you don't have any shared experiences with because you've never experienced things that, that they've experienced. You know, I am a white man and I will always be a white man. <laughs> so I will never understand what it means to be a person of color in this country. Mm -hmm. So it was my job during this time to really give them the mic and let them explain the injustices they've seen, the injustices they felt. And being able to do that, it felt, you know, it felt nice, but like, I don't want to do it to be nice. I'm doing it because this, that's what's happening. This is what's happening right here, right now in the city of Louisville. Did you feel the weight of, the world in a sense when you would do a live stand-up and you see the cnn truck and you're thinking i'm gonna do this and it's not just gonna be seen in the market Mm -hmm. but people are gonna look at this from all over the country you know and we get calls from like other stations on the other side of the country like our sister stations and i'd be like hey can you get us xyz my my first thought is always you don't think we're fucking busy right now like (laughs) you paying me yeah (laughs) (laughs) And, and ultimately and like and so we're an NBC affiliate at Wave. NBC sent crews to Louisville during that whole time, and even NBC would like ask us for stuff. And I'm like, you've got boots on the ground. Like, what do you need? Like, you've got more manpower than we do. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you need help from us for? And it it was just so much work. Um, but it's one of those things that I know twenty years from now, whether I'm in this job or I'm in a different job. Being able to, you know, be part of that is going to be a big part of who I was during this time in my life and who I am right now, you know, my time in my life. So, um, something I'll definitely tell my grandkids if I'm so lucky to uh, be able to tell them about it one day. Yeah, that's that's a really cool thing because, yeah, you're, you're right there at the epicenter, like you said. And that is going to be something that, like, defines the way that you continue about yourself in the world and even these ideas that we 
you know, even even me. I mean, I think everybody, you know, at, at least I hope everybody had gone into this summer, you know, maybe with some thoughts or beliefs or, you know, whatever. And then they watched how things unfolded here in our city, in our own backyard. And maybe that caused people to pause and think, wow, is this is this really you know, should I, should my mind change at all here? Should I reexamine what I, what I'm thinking? And like, why am I saying these things? And like, I just, it's hard for me to believe that, um, there are people in the city that could go through this year and still just be stick in the mud, never changing their mind. And I think what you were saying with the, with the things with like, you know, you can report the facts Journalists are there to tell a story and be objective. So, some about people it, do like, not care, Benny. Some yeah. people do not care. No, and like both sides of whatever issue will move the goalposts to be like, yeah, well, but this, you know, or this means this. What, what aboutism like, yeah. is just the worst. And it's like, like you said, I mean, you can't please everybody, but I think, um, yeah, thankfully we've got a president now that isn't like an enemy of the media and like telling and getting people riled up to be like, hey, these people are actually just trying to fucking help you. And it was just interesting, uh, regardless of anyone's political stance, to see how the media was handled by just people in general. You know, that whatever you want to call it, an insurrection, a coup, protests that was happening at the Capitol in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about that, but I see some scary pictures that talk about how people want to hurt the media, quote-unquote. And it, you think about your coworkers. In my, my scenario, I think about my coworkers. I think about uh, people I went to college with, people that we went to school with together, you and I. And I think about people who are in those situations. They've never done anything to these people. They're covering stories at a local level that impact each community that they're in. They've never reported on, you know, the president doing X, Y, Z. They never reported on, you know, Congress doing X, Y, Z. But all of a sudden, this local media becomes part of the media. Right. And you have this target on your back. I never really felt like I've had, like, a target on my back. That's a little... I guess metaf- metaphoric, sure. But um, that's kind of what it seemed like was that people wanted to shift their focus to find people to get mad at, mm-hmm. and that happened with the media, and that happens with. Um, I also hate this term, both sides. You know, um, but every time you do something, every story's not two sided, but most of them are. So when you get into the meat of things, people are going to be upset because they don't like that it was covered or they don't like the way you covered it. But it's hard to argue facts. If you're just reporting the facts, it's hard to argue that stuff. (laughs) But you can argue there's an omission of facts is the same as, as lying. But if you start looking for omission of facts and ignoring the facts that are in your face, that's when people start this distrust, I guess, in the people reporting these facts. Because I don't know if they're looking for a reason to distrust them or they're looking for an enemy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, that's, man, that's... Well, that's, that's, an, that's an omission in itself. Mm-hmm. is omitting the facts but then like trying to look at the omissions from a reporter's stance and being like well I'm just going to not pay attention to all the true shit and, <laughs> and I'm going to kill the messenger I feel like that's what it comes back to a lot of the time is time. that what it's about like, again yeah you know I've one of the things too you know this wasn't from you know, the general public but you know I sat you know at home I was already off work this day and watched one of my co-workers get shot by police with a little uh, gas pellet ball. And it just blew my mind that something like that could happen. But now, looking back at it, it doesn't even surprise me just seeing how crazy things have gotten. Um, I'm just glad to be out of 2020. (laughs) Although Hank Aaron died today. Yeah, I saw that. Legend. Man, I thought 2020 was bad, but 2021's not off to any better of a start. <laughs> but just thinking about watching Katie, my coworker, you know, getting shot and just thinking about, man, are we really in danger? Like, I never thought about being in danger. Sure. 
just because you are you know part of an organization that reports news. Well, it's America. Like yeah. war <laughs> reporters are in danger, right? In Syria and shit. But like you're in Louisville, Kentucky. So what's what's the inherent danger that you should be facing? It shouldn't be anything, but you're riding the line of duty. And you then you start grappling with another balance of power. You start grappling with, okay, we want to cover this, but can we do it safely? Mm-hmm. So if you can't do it safely, there's no reason to be there. I know um, you know, at our station, I know it's two to three other stations in this area at one point or another would pull people out because it got too dangerous. Mm-hmm. I saw videos of protesters um, during the Breonna Taylor protests literally take rocks and throw them into the cars of uh, one of our uh, competing stations' cars Yeah, while they're in the car. I've seen that same station had another car that was, they tried to flip it over, they set it on fire, just because the call letters are on the side of the car. Mm-hmm. And it is just nuts to think that that could even happen. But it did. And looking back, I could happen again. So, I mean, you ever going to be ready for it? I don't know. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah. Maybe just a little less shell-shocked by it if you've been in it like that. It's just nuts, man. Just nuts. How often were you down doing that? Because like you said, there's this thing of like, you know, this dilemma that that you're faced with is like, I want to be safe. We're telling everybody to social distance and we're in the midst of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But yet there feels like there's something that's that's superseding the risk of possibly getting this right. disease, right? This is feels like a, an important enough event that we should maybe be like, okay, if, if there's one <laughs> thing that I'm going to break the rule for, maybe it's this kind of like movement that's that's taking place in our own city. And then as a journalist, you're like, man, I want to be safe, but now how often am I going to be in the field? So like, what was that like for you during the weeks? How many times were you down at, at right. Jefferson Square, like you said? Again, with the rapid-fire questions all at once. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the uh, the first thing that I think of is, again, trying to figure out not only how to be safe, not only how to cover this, but you're also worrying about getting it all right. Not just covering it, but you know, getting everything right. You're not just also reporting on the peaceful protests, if you will. You know, you have to report on the people who are the bad eggs. Sure. And when you go out there trying to focus on this movement at hand, this protest at hand, and you have a few extra people who may or may not even be from the city you're protesting in, uh, they breaking windows, flipping cars, you know, whatever, it's not helping anybody's cause. Right. And you can do all you want to cover the peaceful stuff, which we did every day. But then you also have to cover the bad stuff that's happening. But people will get upset with you and they'll say, why are you covering this bad stuff when all these peaceful protests are going on? Because that's happening too. Right. (laughs) Just because they may not be part of this peaceful protest, it's still happening. And to not report on that would be just as bad as lying. An omission. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I was down there mostly during the daytime with my shift. Uh, I was off, obviously, by the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the stuff I saw was during the day. And when the sun was up, there really weren't that many problems. Yeah. Uh, pretty peaceful. It's like the day that uh, the attorney Ben Crump came uh, with Jacob Blake's dad and there's another uh, victim of police brutality. One of their family members came with them, and they talked about the Breonna Taylor case. And I think about that day and how many people were downtown in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was incredible. Just maybe not in the way, like, incredible, like, amazing, but more like awe-striking incredible to see the amount of people that were there the amount of people that cared about this and really nothing got rowdy or anything but once that sun goes down man it's it was a different story because people are opportunists and people are fucking anarchists and they use 
anything as an excuse to go out and act out their purge fantasies. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what it is. Man, I wonder where we'd be if that movie never came out. <laughs> I don't know. Probably in a more tranquil state of mind. <laughs> but, 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 but like you said, I mean, there, there are those people that are coming out and, and might not even be from the city, might be from somewhere else, might not give a shit at all about what's going on, but they just see an opportunity to come and break some shit and steal some shit. And that's, that happens too. And it was just, amazing i guess the next day when like the arrest reports would come out and to see the people on the arrest lips that don't say louisville kentucky mm-hmm. underneath their name and you even have the mayor coming out the governor coming out saying listen the people who are committing these crimes are not from kentucky you know they're doing xyz obviously there's going to be some people from louisville that are doing the same thing too sure but um that's just part of the the larger story, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And every day we'd go out there to cover something new, but old at the same time because it's part of this much larger story. And man, it was it, it was just a snowball. It just got rolling and rolling, and just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think that snowball stagnant now, but there's no telling that could start rolling again. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like, um, what's next? No, you know. Well, I mean, you you know, you you're from Louisville. You know, just even for you being here your whole life and seeing this, you know, how crazy was that? I I don't I it's it I I don't want to like say I've never seen anything like it, but in a sense, I never have seen anything like it. Um, because you know we're like I'm 28, you're probably 27, 28, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I see I have to do the math these days. <laughs> <laughs> you old man. No, but like we we don't have a lot of experience to draw from from these kind of things. You know, just because these are things that have maybe laid dormant in society for so long and it feels like the last time that people were mass protesting, I mean certainly there's been mass protests that have happened, right? But like for society to really hone in on something, it feels like the Vietnam War, and it feels like the '60s in, in the race relations and everything that was going on then. And we could talk about it happening in Louisville all we want, but then you talk about Minneapolis, you talk about Seattle, and really even small towns across the United States. This is happening, I and mean, yeah. it is, you know, I, I've heard it now expressed as the largest civil rights movement in American history. You think about that, to even put that title to this movement, and you think about the things that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did um, in civil rights, but to have more people involved in this mm-hmm. that were involved in that, it's it's hard to imagine. Obviously, we weren't there for any of that, um, but I think a big part of that is you not only just have a movement led by African-Americans, you have an entire movement that's led by African-Americans but also includes all other races. Whether you're white, Latino, Asian, everyone's part of this same movement and they just want to see something done. Right. Whether there needs to be anything done or not, that's not for me to judge. I think there is. <laughs> I can say that uh, in this format. Not on air, but yeah, you know it's it's just it's incredible. It's incredible. I think my biggest thing was, um, you know, it's like like we we were talking about like the sides, right? Air quotes the yeah. sides, both sides, right? <laughs> Is like so many people initially had such a problem with the protests going on and like wanting to say that all of the Black Lives Matter people were were this and that. And I, I, my, my biggest takeaway was just like, well, no shit, they're getting violent a little bit. Like, I don't, I'm not condoning violence in any way, you know, and people should act within a reasonable fucking decency in society, right? I mean, don't go around just like beating up on somebody just because they, they fit like a profile, but that, that's said for, for everybody, you know what I mean? But for the people that were like, well, 
I just don't like the way that they're doing it, or I don't yeah. like this or that. And it's like, but you haven't liked the last 10 things that they've tried, and now they're like exasperated. They're like, well, I don't know what else to do. I use this example of like my brother and I, you know, when we were younger, you know, if I was picking on him and my mom's sitting in the kitchen and I keep picking on him and eventually, you know, he tells me to stop. He tells me to stop, but he, but I don't listen. You know, I keep, yeah, he's going to snap. He's going to punch me or he's going to break some shit. I'm like that. That's literally what we saw, you know? And then it's funny because then those same people, um, in this city and others are the same people that, that said that kind of stuff. Oh, you can't protest because of COVID. But then like this Trump thing happens and this thing in Washington DC happens. And then it's funny because all these people that were talking about cop lives matter and blue lives matter are suddenly hypocrites because they're the same people that are cheering on what they think is like their thing. And it just goes to show like we can we can just move the goalpost and, and really just kind of justify anything, you know, to make it fit. Yeah. I know you're gonna hate this one, but the narrative yeah. <laughs> But oh it but it God. but it's true, you know, and that's an omission, you know? Criticizing one group for one thing, but then failing to do it when it, it when it suits your interests. And or, it's one of the ones that I'm seeing right now. You've got people complaining about kids not being in the school building Mm -hmm. and those same people didn't seem to care when you know dozens and dozens of elderly people were dying uh every week in louisville but i i used the elderly as an example because we'll go back to the story i covered today of the vaccinations now those same people are complaining about teachers getting the vaccine before people over 70 when in reality they're getting at the same time but that that's beyond the point my point being why do you care about the people over 70 now you didn't care about them when they were dying with no vaccine while you were going out to eat with all your cousins you know and and your friends and your buddies and your parents and your kids right uh when people were asking you to stay home you know maybe we didn't know as much then i understand that but, I mean, people really haven't changed their minds, even with more information coming in. I think, ultimately, that's the biggest problem with people getting mad uh, at the left, people getting mad at the right. It's because your mind's just set on something, man. And no matter what kind of facts you get, they're not going to listen. No. Because they omit. Exactly. They omit. They they just they take and they cherry-pick what they want to fit their argument, and then they omit what uh, contradicts that and act like they don't see it or don't hear it but yeah i think with like the brianna taylor one too we would literally just say what happened you know here's what's happening this 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 and you know people that were you know leaders in this movement would get mad at us because we weren't reporting things that they wanted to see but you know we're not doing it to appease one side or the other like we're just telling you what happened guys you're not a PR agency. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, this is supposed to be objective, goddammit. And it's just nuts to see right now where we are. Everybody hates everybody. I think we need to pull a page out of Jackie Moon's playbook mm. and ELE. Mm. Everybody love everybody. Some deep shit right there. That's real talk <laughs> right there. <laughs> this has been Real Talk with Sean Bowdy. <laughs> No, I mean, what's it been like? So, as a, as a journalist, when when you do a story or something like that, and uh, your Twitter handles out there, have you had a lot of people in your mentions like talking reckless shit? Here and there, ultimately, that stuff I feel like always gets tagged on like the big, like wave three page. Mm-hmm. But man, when they get into your mentions, I think this person must know somebody who knows me who retweeted this, and I'll click on it, and they're from like bum fuck nowhere just finding someone to be mad at yeah and i'm like guys like i'll just give you an example when uh (laughs) when mason rudolph got beat up by uh miles garrett (laughs) and i just like tweeted something like man that was crazy and some guy from i don't even know where anymore started like getting mad at me for not saying that Mason Rudolph was a racist or something like that. I don't, and I'm like, I started replying at first because I just thought it was because he was replying to a reply of someone I knew. Mm-hmm. 
I just thought, oh, maybe it's just like, well, he is. I'll just, you know, reply. And just, he just kept going. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You don't even, you don't know me, man. You don't know me from Adam. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. That's all. That's what you have to do. You just have to say, I'm done or I'm not going to start. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Once you feed them, they just want more and more and more. And it's just, you just got to block people, honestly. Oh, I don't block people. I probably should, but. <laughs> Because, you know, what if they want to apologize? <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe I just, I'm I'm too uh, positive about people. <laughs> but, uh, hey, that apology hasn't come yet from anyone, but I'm still waiting. Yeah. If, any, if anyone's listening and they want to apologize for anything, my, uh, my DMs are open. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, don't hold your breath. I don't think <laughs> many of those people have a have a bone in their body that that uh, makes them think about, oh, maybe that was too far. You know, maybe that was too far. But I'm sure you guys probably deal with that a lot. And certainly, I'm always I always looking. I I literally had to stop the WDRB pages that they put up. I swear they try to be TMZ on Facebook. I swear to God they do. And I'll look at the people, like, because when you're scrolling, you'll see just a couple of comments on the very... Mm-hmm. And it's just like, these people just are fucking rabid dogs, man. They see, just... The, the Facebook comment section of any news media page is simultaneously the greatest and the worst place on earth. <laughs> Because there are some very funny people, but there are some very terrible people on those uh, comments. And yeah. it's sometimes it's really funny to go read some of them, uh, but sometimes it's it hurts. It hurts my soul to see what people think and what people think about other people. And I just I don't get it. And one thing I've learned in news is that everybody on earth is a hypocrite. There's no hiding it. So just... Just go with it. That's just right. it. There's no need to call other people out for being hypocritical because everyone on earth is a hypocrite. Yeah. That was one of the points I wanted to make earlier is like bottom line when we we're talking about like both sides, right? We're all fucking hypocrites. We're all yeah. hypocrites in some way, you know, and it's crazy what we're willing to condemn when we don't like somebody, but excuse when we right. do like somebody. And there's only one person in, ever who was perfect and he died 2000 years ago. So <laughs> I don't know. Twenty twenty is over, so at this point, I don't know if he's coming back soon. But last year, it certainly felt like somebody was going to come open up the skies last year. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, there'd be somebody that would be like, "Hey, I got to go through Jesus's old tweets ten years ago. He said this one thing." You know, um, back in thirty three BC, <laughs> before you were born, your mother said something about. XYZ about three men that came and found her when she was pregnant with you with gifts. We just we just need to figure out what that is before before we move forward. Sounds this. shady. Yeah. <laughs> Were those um illegal benefits? Did the NCA need to get involved in this? You know. <laughs> but here we are two thousand years later and people still don't love people and it blows my mind. It is. And it's 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 a bummer because you know that that's just going to continue, that these people who say these things that are extremely hurtful and hateful, they just, they're never going to be at a place where they're willing to actually listen to somebody else. And, and like, you can't reason with that person. No, no. And that's something you just kind of have to get used to. I can't tell you how many phones I've hung up on people because, first of all, people don't want to do it to your face. They don't, they don't want to complain about the things you're saying to your face. So a lot of people will call the newsroom and start complaining there, even though the person who answers the phone is almost never the person you're angry at. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They will just call, talk about what they're mad about. Sometimes you just have to hang up the phone because mm-hmm. you're not going to get a word in edgewise. You're not going to change their mind. So just hang it up, man. Just hang it up. <laughs> And anything you say, they're going to be like, well, I can't believe you'd say that. You know? like, <laughs> and they're going to call back and they think that we're this like global enterprise that has like 100 people working the phones. Guess what, buddy? I'm going to answer the phone again. <laughs> and I'm going to hang up the phone again. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, 
it sounds like you've got a really good perspective on it because that could ruin somebody, you know? That could really be like a journalist who's mm-hmm. just getting into it, you know? Could pick up one bad call, and then they're like, fuck this, I am out of here, <laughs> you know? like. But you, you learn to deal with it. I mean, especially at my last station down in Bowling Green, that was something, too, because it was a lot smaller, a bunch of small towns. So you start meddling in small towns, and everybody has an opinion. So I honestly, I think the phone lines were worse there than they are here in Louisville. Hmm. But man, it's uh, something else. Oh, the places you'll go. (laughs) Have you enjoyed um, this year? Because honestly, I mean, like as a journalist, I'm sure a part of you is like, this is why I got into this. This yep. is the action, like boots on the ground, man. Like fuck covering this like PTA meeting or something <laughs> like that. Like I've got some real shit here. Like that's got to be a cool. And, and every thing. day you would go to work knowing that there's something happening, something you're going to cover, and something that you're going to cover that is important and that affects each and every person in the city um, and the majority of the people around the entire country. Um, and that is, you know, ultimately what you get into the business for is to you know give a voice to the voiceless to tell their stories Um, you know storytelling is ultimately the basis of everything we do sure so if you can get that story out and the person's story who's never been told before that's one of the best feelings in journalism you find this person that you may have nothing in common with you may have never experienced anything that they've experienced so i you know i revert back to um, these protests, the people I've met, the people I talked to, almost all of them, I won't say all of them, were just the nicest, most willing people to kind of share what they were there for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it opens your eyes. You know, like I said before, you know, I've never experienced what it's like to be a person of color in this country. So to hear these stories really some of them horror stories uh, and to be able to kind of lift those voices it's a it's a special thing do you have one that sticks out to you from this year one of the kind of like your most proudest moments being uh, able to tell those stories I don't know if I could put my finger on just one but let's I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give you one the day that Jacob Blake's dad was in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Uh, We kind of sat him down and talked to him about being his parent, Jacob Blake, of course, the person who was shot and severely wounded by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, Just talking to him about what it's like dealing with that. I mean, that scenario is crazy in itself, and I don't really want to get into that scenario because I still don't know what happened. But regardless... His child's life has changed forever. Mm-hmm. His, you know, his life has changed forever, and to just hear him talk about that and how his life was so greatly affected by this, you, know, you could argue all day whether or not it's because he was black or if it was because he had a criminal history, whatever. Ultimately, that doesn't change the thing that things that people have gone through over the past however many years since. You know, Martin Luther King marched the streets of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Now, I see you've got a wedding ring on. Does your wife worry about you when you go out? Well, you know, my wife actually works at WDRB. Wow. So she gets it. She gets it. Uh, but, no, I don't think she worries. She, kn- to, she knows I hold my own. You're going to have to go home and tell her, hey, you guys are kind of TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing I was thinking of when you said the DRB and I was like eh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it in later <laughs> you can tell her I said it yeah I know, I know yeah but I mean all, like that's what a lot of things have come down to in journalism on the web and it kind of makes me angry too because some places and I'm not saying that Wave is exempt from this will post stuff just to get reactions because that's what pays the bills on Facebook Sure. People reacting, and the more people you can get reacting on Facebook, the more followers you get, the more people visit your website, the more money you make. Right. So ultimately, it's the job of the people on the web teams to get people to click on your links. Yeah. And sometimes they're doing it because it's controversial, and they know people will get in that comment section and start fighting. That's not journalism as much as uh, it 
could be. Maybe the meat of the story is journalism, mm-hmm. but you know you're only posting it because you're gonna get Billy Bob and Joe fighting in the in the comment section. There's a salesmanship to it. Mm-hmm. You got to get these people to read and go to your link over everybody else's. You know your your other three competitors in the market. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it backfires. Sometimes you'll get a unanimous, why the hell are they posting this in the comment section? <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody's guilty of that. But um, do you think that this is going to uniquely position... I mean, do you think about this? Because like, if I were you, I'd probably think, like, dude, if I can be here during this and go through the year that I just did... That would give me a confidence that I could go and, like, I, I wouldn't even worry about the future. Because you're like, dude, look at the last year that we've had right here in our own community. And I think that, you know, my, my thing to you would be you should have all the confidence in the world knowing that whatever you do moving forward, it might still be crazy. It right. might still be, you might be in danger, unfortunately, in some cases. But, like, you should have the the self-confidence to be like, yeah. dude, I fucking just made it through this shit. I can do anything. Well, you talk about 2020 being kind of a shitty year all around for the entire country. I I I don't want to brag on myself for a minute, but I'm going to brag on myself for a minute. Go for it. Like we got a kitten. We got married. We bought a house all in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of kind of keeping my head above the water was focusing on that stuff and not everything else that was going on uh, across the country. Uh being able to say, "Hey, I got married." Being able to say Look at this objectively cutest kitten in the world. <laughs> and you look at this house that we now live in, all happening in 2020, and focusing on that stuff made things a lot easier. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you can separate the two. Yeah, this year has sucked for a lot of reasons. And if you think about it too much, it can bum anybody <laughs> out, you know? But it's like, look, I've got all these other things going on for myself. And despite all of their another air quotes their attempts to bring me down like look i got married i got this new kitten what's the kitten's name uh junie b like junie b jones all right nice it's like juniper but juniper (laughs) (laughs) i love it you know my girlfriend will love that little pun right there so (laughs) no but that's awesome man so i think one of the things that helps to kind of separate that in our profession, we work on daily deadlines. Mm-hmm. So once you meet that end of the day deadline, you're done till the next day. So it's easy to kind of put that behind you. Whether you had a good day, whether you had a bad day, it's on to the next one. Every day it's on to a new deadline, it's on to a new story. And you're able to kind of go home. I say go home, but at this point I'm already home when I'm working. So <laughs> uh, to be able to kind of put that in the back of my head and just focus on... Uh, you know, a young marriage, a young kitten, a new house. Yeah. And, and kind of focus on, on those things. Reds baseball when Reds it's around, baseball. Right? Yeah. Big disappointment again last year. <laughs> but at this point, I'm immune to it. Ever since Buster Posey at that Grand Slam in, what, 2012? Mm-hmm. And I broke my hand. I think I've kind of said it's not worth getting this angry about. How did you break your hand? Can we get that story? So I'm in my dorm at UK. And Buster Posey, it's his grand slam after, you know, the Reds really pitched two perfect games in the first two games, won those, pitched a gem in the third, ultimately blew it. But when Buster Posey busts it wide open at the grand slam, I found the closest thing next to me, which was a dry erase board on my wall. I thought, oh, that'll be nice and soft. Well, not soft, but I'll go right through it. Well, I didn't think about the fact that the wall behind it was cinder block. <laughs> So, that's when I stopped hitting things f- for sports. <laughs> Lesson learned, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, when uh, Wisconsin beat Kentucky, mm-hmm. I hate bringing it up, but you know what? My mom my mom called me that night. <laughs> Didn't say a word except, hey, uh, all that matters is that you're above ground. True. Everything's fine. True. I said, you know what? You're right. Every day above ground's a good one. And I think that's one thing that'll help everybody get through everything that we're going through right now. Yeah. But unfortunately, so many people 
have been so negatively affected by that they're no longer with us. You know, they can't say that. And I think once everything gets back to normal, if it ever does, I don't know that it ever will. That's something to really think about. Every day above ground. It's a good one. I'd rather be here than wherever the fuck else we go. I don't know. I think some stuff will go back to normal, but then, you know, what's funny is I always used to look at the people that would get on the planes and wear the mask, and I'd be like, what a fucking weirdo. But now I don't think I'll ever go on a plane without a mask. It's the opposite. You see the guy sitting next to you without a mask. What a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Yeah, there's some stuff that I I want to normalize, you know, wearing the masks and and mask people. Like, that's probably a good... Because, you know, like, when you go... When you go out for a weekend and you go pretty hard or it's a boys trip or a bachelor party or like whatever, couples weekend getaway, you're around other people and then like Monday and Tuesday, you're like, why do I feel kind of sick? It's like, I don't know, you probably touched a bunch of stuff and yeah. drank after people. And all it takes is one person too that that was sick going into that and now everyone you're with was sick. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, the more years we find ourselves removed from you know, college, those days are already harder the next day anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had a pretty incredible stretch there from uh yeah, twenty twelve to twenty fifteen really was was that was the place to be, man. Oh, uh, back then we said it was lit, I believe. Yeah. Lit. Uh, yeah, super lit. <laughs> super hot fire. <laughs> Well, um, this has been great, man. Um, yeah, my, my girlfriend's dad actually was like, hey, you should tell Ben to like speak to one of these reporters in Louisville that have been covering this stuff. And I was like, I know a guy. Yeah, I got a guy. So it was good to have you over. And uh, I'm glad to see that you're doing well. Congratulations on getting married. How, Thank you. Well, before we get out of here, how was that? Like, what, what, how did COVID happen and well, your we wedding spend, plans? We spent a lot of time at home together. Yeah. A lot of time at home together with uh, the current situation within the pandemic. It's been great. It's been great. Uh, She works predominantly from home, too. And I don't know what the kitten's going to think when we start going back to work again. (laughs) I feel bad for her. She's going to think we're abandoning her. And if this is what parenthood is like, I'm definitely not ready for it yet. (laughs) Now, did you guys... um I mean, you you got married this year, so you know how long had you been planning the wedding, the, this perfect day in your dreams? You've been waiting all your life for it, only to have it get absolutely go to shit. In the so way. we got engaged in October of 2019, and our wedding was October of 2020. It was not fun. I don't think planning a wedding would ever be fun. Yeah. But if you plan a wedding during a pandemic, it's whatever the opposite of fun is. We had to adjust and readjust the you know, invite list, the guest list, so many times. We lost count. Ultimately had to cut it in half. Um, we got married in an open-air barn, which is the only reason we could have as many people as we did. I do not recommend getting married during a pandemic, no. Mm. Good. I was going to ask you for like life advice going out of this, so I guess that would be... Uh... That's one thing. Uh, I don't know. I'm too young into this marriage to give any good life advice. Well, just in general, or for people that are thinking about getting into journalism, or just, you know, usually the way that I end these interviews is just give me... Give me your best piece of uh, advice that you would give to anybody that you would just, if, if they said, hey, give me some advice, what would you tell them? One thing that I have to do, especially in my job, is to go into every day with an open mind. An open mind, open to learn something about someone or somewhere, and to not let anything that happens in that day affect more than just that day. Staying positive is ultimately the thing I think that gets me through some of the hard stories that I cover. Finding that silver lining. So you go into this with an open mind and you learn something new every day. And being able to, at least in your head, keep a positive twist on everything that's happening has really gotten me through planning a wedding during a pandemic, covering ultimately deadly protests in the street got me through 
having to stay locked in my house with with nothing to do during that time. And I think positivity is the best tool in that playbook. That's real talk. Real talk. That's what we do, real baby. Talk. Well, good shit, Sean. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Are we going to open this Four Roses now? Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got four bottles right behind us. Uh, so, yeah, we can uh, give you a little glass. <laughs> Toast to the good life. I feel that. I feel that. All right, man. Well, uh, people can find your work on Wave 3, and they can follow you on Twitter. Hit the At S. Bowdy Wave 3. Boom. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, be well, and we'll talk again soon. It's been fun, brother. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that one. Go follow Sean at S. Bowdy Wave 3. Watch all of the packages and all the extensive journalism work that he does. He's a community storyteller, so go watch the stories he's telling about our community and uh, go check out his stuff, man. I'll be back next week, Uber Stories Part 22. That's all I got. I am Ben Tompkins. That's real talk.